Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, what a joy it is to be able to share the word with you again today. And thank you, Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, for the privilege and the opportunity to share the word. Here's what I'm going to talk about today and next week. Next two weeks, I'm going to talk about this subject right here. We are the church. Come on, say thank God for that. We are the church. You know, this this word has really been stirring in my heart now for about a month, maybe a little longer. And uh, I kept hearing that phrase over and over and over again, uh, we are the church. And what's been in my spirit for a while now is really wanting to see that during this season we're walking through, that the church, listen to Pastor Ron now, that the church rise up and be the church. I want the church to rise up and be the church. And as I have talked about that phrase, mainly to myself, uh, I walked in Pastor Hector's office one day and there on his desk was this phrase that he's been using a lot in our social media, and it just clicked with me so much. The church goes on. Come on and say amen. The church goes on. We are the church, and the church goes on. I understand that we're in crazy days, guys, but the church goes on. And what I'm crying out to the Father is that we will rise up and be the church. Listen to Pastor Ron, that we will not see this as a problem. We'll see it as an opportunity. We'll see it as an opportunity. And you know, so many of you are already doing that. I just thank God for what you're doing. I hear great testimonies all the time of you being the church in the world that we're living in, the day that we're living, the hour that we're living. I'm hearing all kinds of great stories. Pastor Ed was in a grocery store about two weeks ago. And while he's in the grocery store, he's standing there in line. And there's a lady that that's the cashier standing there. And he said, well, how you doing? And she burst into tears. And Pastor Ed, standing in that grocery store, had the opportunity to minister to that lady and just kind of soothe her fears and calm her nerves as he was standing in Earth Origins and, and ministering to that lady. Our own Heather Quarles. Here's one that's got all kinds of stuff on her plate, and she's taking care of kids that's at home that are having to deal with school. And she spent a long time ministering to a lady who's just about kind of at her wit's end, if I can say it that way. Her husband's an ER doctor. And they just moved and they got all kinds of problems and Heather was doing everything she could to minister to this lady and just kind of have her kind of settled in. Uh, Joanne Harbin ministering to a a disabled couple that's not a part of our church. Uh, Miss uh, Betty Gunner was able also to minister to someone that's not a part of the Rock of Gainesville, couldn't go out and get groceries, so she went out and got groceries for them. Our own St. Francis connect group, doing it a little differently, but going downtown and still ministering to people that are homeless and people that are going through things, you know, just like we're going through. And they had to do it a little differently, but they were still going down and ministering and being the church. As I said, guys, I'm just really jazzed about the stories I'm hearing that we are the church and you are being the church and the church goes on. And so for two weeks, This is what I want to talk about. The church goes on. We are the church. And here's how I'm going to address it. This week, I want to talk about the church in Acts. Next week, I want to talk about the church in action. So we're going to talk about the church in Acts today. And what I want to do is kind of lay a foundation because 
We really can't be the church, be an action-minded church, unless we're springing from a good foundation. And so today I want to kind of lay a really solid foundation of who we are as the church and the foundation that we're springing from. Now, all of you know, and it probably goes without saying, that you know you don't build unless you got a really good foundation. You can build from a bad foundation. What's it going to do? Well, Pastor on, it's going to crumble. So I want to really build a good solid foundation so that next week we get into a practical mindset of what it looks like to be the church in the world and the culture we're living in. But today we want to look at the church in Acts. You know, there is a great scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And it really sets the stage and the foundation for what it means to be the church in the world that we're living in. And it gives what I call the four ingredients. And we're going to talk about those four ingredients today because they form the foundation. How many of you know if you're going to bake something, you need the right ingredients? Come on now. If I'm going to bake a really, really good cake for Pastor Ron, and by the way, that invitation is out there. Uh, if I'm going to fix a good dish of fried chicken, if I'm going to do whatever I got to do, I'm only going to be successful in baking or creating if I've got the right ingredients. And so today, as we lay a foundation, I want to talk about the four ingredients of building a really, really good foundation so that we spring into action. And then next week, we'll talk about the church in action. But right now, let's talk about the church in Acts. The four ingredients. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, ingredient number one, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. There are the four ingredients of a solid foundation of being the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and we're going to break these down in just a minute, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The four ingredients that's going to build our foundation. Here we go. The four ingredients. Number one, the apostles' teaching. Here's what that means to you and I. Living our lives with truth. Living our lives with truth. Look, guys, if there is ever an ingredient, if there's ever a stone that needs to form the foundation of who we are, it's the foundation of truth. Everything we do has got to spring from the foundation of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everything goes from that intersection of truth and us being able to operate in truth. You know, Sorry for saying it this way, but you, you know it as well as I do. And I got to be honest with you, the world has seen a lot of counterfeit. They've seen, as Pastor Ron says, it a lot of shucking and jiving. They've seen stuff that's just not real. And I can't help but believe that in the hour we're living in, the world is looking for reality. They've seen the stuff. They want to see the real thing. They want to see the power of truth. Now, as I talk about living our lives with truth as we are the church... How does that kind of apply to me? Well, let me say it this way. What separates us, Christianity, what separates us as believers from every great, and I'm, I'm not throwing stones, so hear Pastor Ron's heart for just a second. What separates us, Christian believers, from every good organization that's out there doing a lot of good works? And they are. They're doing a lot of great works. And I give kudos to them. I give props to them. People are coming from places I never dreamed they would come from, and they're doing things to help the world we're living in. So I'm not, I'm not coming down on them, but 
Here's what I want you to get. What separates us from them? What separates a really good organization that's doing good works from the believers that are out there ministering to culture? This is it right here. It's truth. It's truth. That's what separates us. Because a lot of great organizations are doing a lot of great things in the moment, but because we're based in truth, we're having the opportunity to change lives for eternity. Not for a moment, but for eternity. Everything is founded in you and I living our lives in just being real, man. Just being real, being who we are as believers and living our lives in truth. Now, we know, you know, truth is tough. Truth can hurt. Truth can kind of pierce us a little bit. It can uh, really cause us to be a little uncomfortable. Truth is never popular with the masses. Truth has the ability to, to pierce us a little bit, but we don't need to run from it. We need to run to it because that foundation of truth, as I said, will help us in ministering to our culture. But you know, there's a lot of times, you know, we say it this way around here. I say it myself this way. Truth is really, really great until it applies to me. <laughs> then it kind of pierces me a little bit. Here's how Winston Churchill said it. Look at this. He says, men occasionally stumble over truth, but most of them, look at this now, most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing ever happened. I really like that because unfortunately, there's a lot of truth in that. I, I come across truth and it stings a little bit. And so I just kind of want to move away from it and act like I never really heard it. How many of you know we're accountable for that truth? Come on, somebody. We're accountable for that truth. And so I can act like I'm hurrying off, but the reality is, is that truth has the ability to change my life. So a lot of times men will come against truth and they want to act like it's not there, but let's, let's do our best, guys. Let's face up to truth. Let's build our lives in truth. Let's build our foundation in truth. Let's build our actions in truth and be who God's called us to be. Here's what we've got to be. The church has got to determine, are we on a truth quest or are we on a happiness quest? Am I really pursuing truth or do I just kind of want to feel good? You know, doing a lot of the things that we're doing in the world today, it makes us feel good, doesn't it? You know, the examples I gave you earlier, they, they did them with a the right heart, but they felt good about themselves. Nothing wrong with being happy, but look guys, my life is not based in my happiness because I can be happy today and going through some real challenges tomorrow. So I've got to determine, am I going to have this consumer mentality of what do I want to get that makes me feel really good in the church world, or do I really want to found my, my life rather in the principle of truth? So let's, let's get on that quest, not a happiness quest, but a truth quest. Number two. The second one of the four ingredients. So the first one is the apostles' doctrine or the apostles' teaching. The second one, living our lives in truth, by the way. The second one is fellowship, living our lives with others. Living our lives with others. Doing life together, man. All coming together. You know, you've heard me say this a lot lately because this is a scripture that's just coming to my mind in the situation in the world that we're living in that we are many, many members, but we are one body. Come on now. We are a lot of people scattered over different regions. Some of us are here in Gainesville. Some of us are in Alachua. Some of us are in High Springs. 
Some of us are over in Gilchrist County. Some of us are in Micanopy. Some of us are in Stark. Some of us are down in Union County. Blanton's, there you are. You're down in Union County or up in Union County. We're all over the place. But the great thing is, is we are many, many members, but we're still one body. Here's how the Bible says it. We are co-laborers with Christ. And we're co-laborers with each other. So we are walking, living, operating in fellowship, living our lives with others. Let me give you a quick language lesson. So sorry about that, but I want to, uh, I just want to get, I want you to get this. The word fellowship in the original language is the word koinonia. And literally, we have translated it through time as koinonia translated to fellowship. And that's correct. It really is. But let's go a step deeper because really the word koinonia is translated this way, two fellows in a ship. Two fellows in a ship. It's a nautical term. It's a navy term. It's a boat term. And what it draws the picture of is this, two fellows in a ship working together to get their boat to the proper destination. Don't you love that? Because that's a picture of the church, man. It's you and I laboring together in this big boat called Christianity. One, two, three, four. Trying to get this big boat called Christianity to the proper place, and that's changing our world. So I'm laboring with you. You're laboring with me. We are people in the same ship trying to make an impact on our world as we sail together. I love that. So two fellows in a ship. Get this right here. Christianity is not a one-person race, and we got to say thank God for that. Look, if you are relying on Pastor Ron to speak to a lady in a grocery store, that may or may not happen. So what do I do? I pass my baton off to Pastor Ed, and he gets the job done. Why? It, Christianity is not a one-person race. It's a relay. It's a relay. If you're expecting Pastor Ron, now you guys know this, come on. If you're expecting Pastor Ron to cook a meal, <laughs> even for myself or for somebody else in our church and take it there, it's probably not going to happen. So what do I do? I pass my baton off to Kristen Hewish. If I'm going to get out and minister to someone that I don't know that's a disabled person that's not a part of our church, I may or may not have that opportunity, but I pass my baton off to Joanne Harbin. I didn't have a chance this month to go down to the St. Francis ministry, so what did I do? I passed my baton off to Dr. J.R. Taylor and Diane Taylor and that group, and now they're down there running the race of Christianity and changing our world because Christianity is not a one-person race. It's a relay. Now, here's the best part. Watch this. It's a team, co-laborers. It's a team assembled by our unstoppable God for eternal purposes. That's what I said at the beginning of this. You know, the difference between us and a lot of people out there, and again, I love a man, but they're ministering for a moment. We're ministering for an eternity. And that's because we serve an unstoppable God that is allowing us to be used in eternal purposes. So living lives in truth, living lives with each other. Number three, the four ingredients, the third one is gratitude, the breaking of bread. Now, let me explain this for just a second, because a lot of times when we see that term, the breaking of bread, we think of a meal, right? And we would be correct, but 
in the New Testament church of Acts chapter 2, the breaking of bread draws a little bit of a different connotation than our Western mentality. If we sit down to a meal together, what does it look like? We sit down and the food comes, and what's the first thing we do? The first thing we do is someone says, hey, uh, Pastor Ron, bless the food. And that's exactly what I do. Hey, Father, thank you for this food. I bless you. I thank you for who prepared it. I declare that it's nourishment to us and that uh, we're able to enjoy fellowship together as we enjoy this meal. Nothing wrong with that. Always bless your food. There's a lesson from Pastor Ron. Be thankful for it, right? Amen. So if we sit down in our Western mentality and we have the breaking of bread, that's kind of how it starts. Let me draw you a picture of the New Testament church as they sat down and broke bread together. They would sit down at the table and the family would come around the table. And as the meal was prepared and placed on the table, the father would then stand up because we're talking right after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. The father would then stand up and here's what he would say. I am thankful for what Jesus Christ, my Messiah, has done for me. But I am also thankful for you. Now what can I do for you? Gratitude. I am thankful for what Jesus has done for me. Now what can I do for you? That's the breaking of bread in the New Testament church. Guys, catch a vision for this. Be thankful for what Jesus has done for you, but be thankful for the people in your living room. Be thankful for the people in your business. Be thankful for the people in your community. Be thankful for the people that you're around and find out in this crazy day that we're living what you can do for them. I'm thankful for Jesus, but I'm thankful for you. What can I do for you? That's the breaking of bread. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Chariots of Fire. It's an older movie. It's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to see the movie Chariots of Fire. It's about this guy right here, Eric Little. Eric Little, they called him the Flying Scotsman. And he literally uh, was on the Great Britain, the uh, English Olympic team. His specialty was the 100-yard dash. And so he was in the Olympics, uh, uh, planning on running the 100-yard dash. And if you've seen the movie, you sort of know the story. And what happened was the 100-yard dash was on Sunday. His spiritual convictions wouldn't allow him to run the race on Sunday. He said, I'm not going to do it. And everybody that came to Eric Little said, you got to run, man. You got to run. You got to run. I'm not going to do it. It's on Sunday. I'm going to honor my God. They literally sent the Prince of England to Eric Little and asked Eric Little, please run the race. And here's what the Prince of England said. You have to run for God and country. Eric Little said these words back to him. Countries make rules. My God gives me my convictions. Come on, somebody. My God gives me my convictions. And so he chose not to run. So rather than not take advantage of his talent, they moved him to the 400-yard dash. Not his best race. But he ran it anyway. Literally barely qualified. Came into the last possible qualifying position to be able to run the 400-yard dash. But he ran it and he won an Olympic gold medal and set a world record. Here's the rest of the story. After the Olympics, Eric Little goes to China to be a missionary. And while he's there, there's a tremendous amount of upheaval, upheaval rather, 
between Japan and China, and he's placed into a Japanese concentration camp. It's in China, but it's under Japanese rule. While he's in this concentration camp, he starts, listen to Pastor Ron now, he starts the first small group system. He puts a lot of people together in small groups, and he goes around, and he teaches all these small groups the Word of God, and ministers to them, and loves on them, and encourages them. And people are getting saved and giving their lives to Christ while they're in this concentration camp. One day, a gentleman came up to Eric Little. Man, get this. I love this part of this story. A gentleman came up to Eric Little, and it was cold weather, and he didn't have any shoes on. And Eric Little noticed he didn't have any shoes on. And so as he looked down, he said, you, you need some shoes. And the gentleman said, I don't have any shoes. So Eric Little went back to his bunk and brought him a pair of shoes. He gave him the exact pair of shoes he was wearing when he won the Olympic gold medal. Man, you're talking about gratitude. Come on, somebody. As he's getting ready to leave, Winston Churchill has worked it out for him to leave the concentration camp. And as he's, they're doing a, a prisoner swap, I think they called it. And as he's getting ready to leave, he sees a pregnant lady coming in. And as this pregnant lady is coming in, Eric Little stops her and says, are you just coming to the concentration camp? And she said, yes. He says, no, you go back to England. I will stay in your place. And they say, no, Winston Churchill's already worked out the swap. He says, no, this lady needs to go back to England to her family. I will stay in her place. And here's what Eric Little said, the words of God to King David, he who honors God, he shall be honored. Eric Little died in that concentration camp, but his legacy lives on because he was thankful for God and he was thankful for people that he could do things for and a spirit of gratitude flowed out of him. Listen guys, Christ-like ca character, Christ-like character can never be fully developed without serving with humility and gratitude. I'm thankful for what Jesus has done for me. I'm thankful for what Jesus has done for you. What can I do for you? That's a spirit of gratitude. So living our lives in truth, the breaking of bread and fellowship, all those three so far make up our main ingredients that we're going to spring from. Here's number four. I love this one. The fourth ingredient, prayer. So I've got living our lives in truth, I've got gratitude, I've got uh, fellowship, and I've got living our lives with power, prayer. Hey, hey, let, me, let me lay a, a challenge in front of you, man. Here's what I want you to do over the next week or so. Uh, maybe before next week when we talk about the church in action, or maybe a little longer. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start every day by praying over this right here. God, put me in a divine appointment, put me in a divine situation, put me in a divine opportunity that's going to allow me to give somebody the opportunity for an eternal change in their life. Not a moment change, not an hour that we're living in change, but an eternal change. And you know what God's going to do, guys? God is going to answer your prayer. He's going to answer your prayer. So what I want you to do is say, God, I want to live my life in power I want to live my life in might. I want to live my life in truth. I want you to put me in an opportunity that's going to be a divine a moment in our culture that we're living in. And here's what God's going to do. God's going to answer your prayer. Pastor Ron, how do you know God's going to answer my prayer? Well, look at this quote by Bill Johnson. Here we go. Jesus never taught us how to deal with unanswered prayer. 
How many of you know that's the truth? Go through the Bible and try to find it. There's nowhere in Scripture that Jesus teaches me how to deal with unanswered prayer. Why is that? Because he never thought about prayers going unanswered. (laughs) He never even gave it a second thought. Now, it may not always be answered the way I want it to be answered. It may not always be answered in the time I want it answered. How many of you know that's a tough one? Come on now. It may not always be answered in the form or the system or the way that I think, but Jesus never said, hey, Hyatt, get ready for this prayer that you're going to pray, and it's going to be unanswered. I'm not answering it, and this is how I want you to deal with it. Jesus never taught me that. He never taught you that. Why? Because he never thought about about our prayers going unanswered. So live your life in power, man. Get before God. Pray. Let me tell you something. Pray and fast. Why? Prayer connects me to God. Fasting disconnects me from the world. Come on, somebody. Praying connects me to God. Fasting disconnects me from the world that I'm I'm living in. And here's what I can do. I can fix my eyes on Jesus and walk in perfect peace. So I want want to just kind of lay a challenge in front of you. I want to say, hey, over the next week or so, go to the place of prayer. Go to the place of asking God. God, put me in a divine moment. While we're in this time, especially, I guess you could say, while we're in this time of craziness and all the things we're going through, put me in a divine moment. And let me pray for this situation that we're living in. Look at what the church did. That's what the church did. The church found themselves in a wild time in Acts. Acts chapter 12 specifically, Peter's in prison. Where was he, Pastor Ron? He was quarantined. You don't get more quarantined than in prison. And so while Peter is in prison, while Peter is quarantined, look what takes place. So Peter was kept in prison, but fervent and persistent prayer for him was being made to God by the church. Hey, let me tell you something, church. While we're going through this crazy season, put yourself in a place of prayer and live your life in power, and God's going to answer that prayer. There are people around you. There are people that you know. There are people that you're, you're in relationship with. They're quarantined. Man, go before God. There are people that aren't quarantined, that need Jesus. And they're asking the questions that I addressed before we started this message. When is this going to end? The anxiety is rising up. Go to God in prayer over them. And let's affect our world by, number one, living in truth. Number two, living with each other, serving with each other, co-laboring, being thankful, full of gratitude. And let's be a people of prayer, living our life in power. Let me pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over us, specifically the Rock of Gainesville today, but Lord, I also pray for so many people that we're in relationship with, that we're around day in and day out, maybe in our workplace, maybe we're bumping into them at Publix, and they need that eternal opportunity. Father, I pray that we will be the church. Thank you, God. The church goes on. It's not stopped. It's a moving, violent force that's moving forward. So I want to pray over you right now. If you're just, as you're in your home or wherever you are, and 
as you're there looking at Pastor Ron. You can bow your heads if you want, but if you're saying, Pastor Ron, I need to make that eternal choice you've mentioned a number of times today. I need to be a part of that church. How do I do that? Real simple. You ask Jesus into your life. He is the head of the church. You ask Jesus into your life. You repent of your sins and you ask for forgiveness in your life and you become a part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Many members, but one body and you can be a part of it. So if that's you today, I want you to just pray with me as I pray and lead you in this prayer. Just pray out loud. Father, I come to you and I ask you right now in Jesus' name, forgive me of my sins. Make my life new. Change my day. Everything that's old, now becoming new. And I say thank you for it. Father, I want to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Let me experience your love and your grace. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Father, I pray for those that pray that prayer right now. And I pray over them, Father, that you will minister their lives, that you will give that spirit of encouragement, that spirit of love, that spirit of peace that we've talked a lot about today, that you will bring peace that passes all understanding in their lives. Set their course. Set their course. Put their feet on a bright path. Move them toward their destiny, beginning today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.